Good morning, church. It is so good to see you. I love you. I appreciate you so very much. There's so many things about which I'm excited right now. So many good things, so many things moving in the right direction. One of the things that I'm excited about right now, this moment, is starting this new sermon series with all of you going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm excited about next week, even though I won't be here, I'm excited because you guys get to hear our new high school minister, Marcus Stinson, who will be filling in for me in my absence and will be continuing this series about Ecclesiastes. And I'm excited about what we will discover about life and about the Lord by studying this book. Now, you might think if you've read the book of Ecclesiastes, most of you probably have, or at least have read parts of Ecclesiastes, you might think, Wow, what a depressing book. How could you possibly be excited about Ecclesiastes? It does kind of seem to be a depressing book, but it's really not a depressing book. In fact, it's a book of wisdom. And if we don't embrace the, the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, I don't believe we can really fully, truly embrace the gospel. And that's what I want to talk about this month, is I want us to discover how the wisdom of Ecclesiastes help us to embrace the love and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how you really can't understand or appreciate the gospel and all that it has to offer unless you understand the wisdom of the book of Ecclesiastes. But before we get to that, I want to talk about snow because we got a lot of it this year, didn't we? In fact, between a trip that my family and I took to Colorado and then the, what are we calling it, the snowpocalypse of February, um, between those two events, my family got more snow than I think my boys have ever had in their lifetime. I grew up in Kansas and Colorado and Wyoming, and so I got to experience sledding, but the boys really never got to experience that very much until this year, and this year they had more sledding than they could handle. And there's something about snow, I don't know what it is, even in an adult, when it starts to fall, there's something inside of human beings that say, I got to make something out of that stuff, right? I got to make something out of that stuff. And so we build snowmen, snow people. We do snow angels. We lay down and make a snow angel. We build a snow fort. Whatever it is, we think, I got to make something out of that snow. In fact, when I was uh, maybe nine or ten, I was in scouts, and we went up into the mountains, and we built snow sculptures. We built, my, my troop did a snow dinosaur. I mean, we molded it and shaped it. We even dyed it green. It was a masterpiece, at least in my memory, it was a masterpiece. And my family wasn't with me, and so a couple days later, we went up, and I found the spot where we had built it, and guess what? It was gone. And that's the thing with snow sculptures, snowmen and snow forts and snow angels and even snow dinosaurs is that all it takes is a little warm day and it's all gone, just like that. We understand that, especially in Texas, don't we? After everything that we went through the Sunday after snowpocalypse, I thought, are you kidding me? It's all gone. It's like it was never here. It just melts like that. And of course, when a kid wants to build something out of snow, when they want to make a snowman and you're a parent and your kid wants to go build a snowman, chances are, unless they've spent too much time outside, you say, absolutely, go build something with that snow because we all understand that desire. But imagine this. Imagine if somebody wanted to invest a bunch of money into a snow sculpture, like hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars and really make the best snowman out in the yard that they could possibly make and invest money in it. You'd say, 
No, that's kind of silly, isn't it? It's kind of silly to invest a bunch of money into building something out of snow. Why? Well, because we've been around long enough to realize that it's going to melt. It's going to melt. It's going to be gone. Give it one warm day. Give it one warm afternoon, and it's gone. And so we realize that it is foolish to get too invested in something that's just going to melt away. It's foolish to get too invested in something that's just going to vanish in a moment. No, it's, it's fun, and it's enjoyable, and it's not bad, and it's good, and we're made to do these kinds of things, but it's silly and foolish to get too invested in something that's just going to vanish in a moment. And the more time and the more perspective and the more wisdom that we have, the more we understand that it's silly and foolish to get too invested in something that's just going to vanish and melt in a moment. And see what the book of Ecclesiastes has to tell us is everything is like that. Everything is like that. Everything is like sand building a sand castle. Everything is like snow, like building a snowman. Everything is like wind or smoke or vapor and it looks as real as can be and it looks solid and it looks like you can invest in it but it's going to be gone in just a moment in fact we could put it this way Ecclesiastes reveals the temporary and illusory nature of everything under the sun and the wisdom of disillusionment let me break that down for just a second So Ecclesiastes reveals the temporary nature of everything, right? It reveals that everything is just temporary. And what is right now is going to go away. And then there's going to be something else. But even that has been here before. And everything is just going to go in these cycles. And everything is temporary. But it's not just temporary. It's also illusory. There's an illusion to it. It seems so real, so solid, like you could just, you could just invest in it, like you could build your house on it, but it's, it's vapor, it's smoke, it's going to go away and it's going to disappoint you. It's going to let you down. If you build a snowman and you expect for it to last forever, it will crush you. And we all probably had that experience when we were a kid, right? We built a snowman, and it was so awesome, and we thought it was going to stick around forever, but then it melted, and we were disillusioned. And really, Ecclesiastes points out the wisdom of that disillusionment. Because if we don't learn it from Scripture, if we don't learn it from Ecclesiastes, we'll have to learn it the hard way. That everything is vanity. Everything is meaningless. Everything is chasing after the wind. In fact, the Hebrew word for all of that is hevel. And so that's the phrase of Ecclesiastes. Everything is hevel. Everything is hevel. And the word hevel means like a, a smoke or a vapor. Some translations say meaningless. Some translations say vanity. All of it. Everything, everything you're chasing, everything you're investing in, everything, everything is hevel. And that's what Ecclesiastes wants us to embrace is the wisdom of disillusionment, the wisdom of realizing that everything is hevel. So look at Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, the wisdom, or rather the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities All 
is vanity. And again, that word vanity is hevel. Hevel of hevels. All is hevel. Everything is hevel. Everything is smoke. Everything is vapor. Everything is temporary. Everything is illusory. Everything you're building, everything you're chasing, everything you're doing, everything you're doing under the sun. That's the preacher's word in Ecclesiastes is everything you're doing under the sun, all of your earthly, worldly endeavors, it's all hevel. It's all vanity. It's all smoke. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it's sinful. It doesn't mean, it just means you need to embrace some disillusionment. You need to realize and recognize and embrace the temporary and illusory nature of it all. Because if you don't embrace it now, if you don't embrace it based on what the preacher is telling you, if you don't embrace it based on what scripture is telling you, then you'll have to learn it the hard way. And sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? We build something out of snow. We build something out of sand. We build something out of smoke. And then we realize just how temporary and illusory it was. In fact, you might even think about it like a mirage. And it's like the way things should be, are, it's always right there in front of us, isn't it? The way things we think, this is the way things should be. Things should work out like this. If you do X, Y, and Z, here should be the results. That's the way it should work. Here's the way life should be. Here's the way culture should be. Here's the way society should be. Here's the way my family should be. And it's all right there in front of you. And you can see it just as clearly as you can see anything. And then you reach out to grab it and it's just smoke in your hands. It's just a vapor. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, look, I've, I've been around. I've seen it all. I've seen all this stuff and everything that you're building and everything that you're chasing and everything that you're doing, it's hevel, it's smoke, it's vapor, it's vanity, it's meaningless. All of it, all of it, all of your work under the sun, all this stuff that you're chasing, all of this stuff that you're doing, all of this stuff that you're building, you think it's going to last forever and you think you're going to make it the way that it should be. But it's all just smoke and mirrors. It's all just vapor. It's all just vanity. It's all just meaningless. And again, you may think that's depressing. You may think that's negative, but it's not. It's wisdom. Because if you don't learn it from the preacher, you'll learn it from reality itself, won't you? And you realize so many times in life, so many times in life, you see the future and you think that's the way things are going to be, right? When you graduate from high school or maybe you graduate from college or maybe this happens or that happens and you think, there it is. There's the future. There's reality. I'm just going to reach out and grab hold of it. And you try to reach out and grab hold of it. And every time it turns to smoke in your hands. And the preacher says, listen, because if you don't listen to this, you're going to be very disappointed. Look at verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. That word generation means a revolution of time, a revolution of time, an era, an age. One age comes, one age goes. One generation comes, one generation goes. The earth and the Lord 
are these only constants. Everything else is in flux. Everything else is just going around in cycle after cycle after cycle, and nothing lasts. You ever driven past a, a place that has one of those historical markers? I like to every now and then stop and look at those historical markers and read what happened in that spot. But you know why they need those historical markers? Because if it wasn't there, you'd never even know it. You would never know that something historical happened in that spot because there's nothing there anymore. Maybe this huge battle happened there, or maybe there was this huge building there, or maybe there was this life lived right there. Maybe there was this huge event that happened right there, but time has passed and you would never even know it. I mean, we could look out, you drive through the plains, you drive through the mountains, and there's all these things that have happened in those spots, things that people thought, this is going to matter. I'm going to build something here that's going to matter. And guess what? Time went by, and that thing that they built, it just collapsed and melted like a snowman, like a sandcastle, like a structure built out of smoke. And if nobody told you this significant thing happened right here, you would never even know it. And that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. That's what the preacher is saying. What does man gain by all the toil that he toils under the sun? Generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. He's really asking what progress have we really made? What have we really built that has last, lasted? What progress have we really made? Look at the next verse. He says in verse 5, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. For, for the preacher, everything is a circle. Everything is a cycle. Every generation is a cycle. He says, look at the sun. It comes up. And it goes down and it comes up again, the same place it came up the day before. It just goes around in a circle, in a circle, in a circle. And he says, even, even the waters, they all run into the sea. And you think, man, that water's been running into the sea forever now. And yet the sea never gets full. It just keeps going in cycles and cycles and cycles and cycles. No progress ever being made. And he says, all of this, you think, okay. How much progress have you made, rivers? How much fuller has the sea gotten, rivers? None. How much progress has the sun made? None. Just keeps going around in the same cycle, in the same circle, in the same circuit every single day. Nothing really is making progress. In fact, that made me think about a carousel. You know, you, you get on the, and when you're a kid and you pick out a horse on the carousel, you want to get the best one, right? You want to get the best horse on the carousel. And that's kind of a joke, isn't it? Because the, there isn't a horse that's going to finish first, right? All of the horses are going to finish at the same time. Oh, you may think your horse has beaten the guy behind you, but maybe he's just gaining on you and he's about to lap you, right? I mean, you don't know because it's all just a circle, and you, know, you can sit there and, and argue till you're blue in the face about whose horse is going the fastest. Nobody's horse is going the fastest. It's all just going around in a circle, in a circle, in a circle, in a circle, in a circle. And throughout this book, the preacher is going to explore all of these different areas in life. And you think, yeah, you think you're winning because you have the most this. 
You think you're winning because you have the most that. You think you're winning because you have this or that or the other. But guess what? It's all just hevel. It's all just smoke. It's all just vanity. You're just building a bunch of snowmen. One generation is going to go and one generation is going to come and no progress is going to be made. It's all just going to go round and round and round and round and circle after circle after circle. We're doing the same things the generation before us did and they did the same things the generation before them did and they did the same things the generation before them did. It's all just a meaningless, vain circle, circle, circle building snowman after sandcastle, after smoke structures, nothing will last. Look at verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. He says it's all just kind of exhausting, isn't it? And when you think about it like this, it is kind of exhausting, isn't it? Your eye never sees something and says, that is so beautiful, I'm never going to look at anything again. I'm ne- I'm just, my, my eyes are satisfied. I don't want to see anything else ever again. That was the most beautiful thing ever. And your ears are never going to say, that was the most beautiful, sweetest sound I've ever heard. I never want to hear another sound. One time, Holly and I had an anniversary meal or a birthday meal at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I'll tell you what, that was a steak. That was a steak right there. In fact, I finished the steak and I thought, "Mm, if I never eat anything else again, I will be satisfied. Liar, right? Liar. It probably wasn't even the rest of the day. I was like, I want something else. Anything else. I'll eat anything. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just hungry, right? Because that's how we are. We're never satisfied. It's all just a circle, a cycle. We're hungry, we eat something, and then we're hungry again. We want to see something, we see it, and then we want to see something again. We're never satisfied. It's all just a cycle, a circle. We never get full. We never get satisfied. We're never content. It's always just more and more and more, never arriving at anything. Look at verse 9. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It's already been, already in the ages before us. He wants us to embrace this wisdom. God wants us to embrace this wisdom. There is nothing, what? New. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the the sun. But we all have this tendency to do it, don't we? We say, that's new. That's a novel idea. That's never been done before. That's never been tried before. We could do it like this. This is brand new. This is a new idea. This has never been done before. He says, nonsense. It's all been done before. It's the same song. It's just a different verse. We're just singing the same song. It's just a new verse. Stop saying, see, that's new, because it's not new. It's not new. Whatever it is, it's not new. It's just a different way to do the same old things. And that's what we do, don't we? We're always pointing at something and saying, see, that's new. And sometimes we point at something and say, see, that's new, and we put all of our hopes in it. And the preacher wants us to not be too optimistic about new ideas. But we also see new things and we say, see, that's new. And we get afraid of it. We're like, no, these people trying this new stuff. He also wants us to not be too afraid because guess what? That's not new either. Whatever it is, we, we do, we get enamored with, we get captivated by 
these illusory new ideas, and we should say new in quotation mark, because there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing novel. There's nothing unique. There's nothing new. This is full of the same holes as the things before it. This will fail just like all of the other ideas. This is vanity too. This is meaningless too. This is smoke too. And that should help us to not be too optimistic about somebody that comes along and say, hey, I got a new idea. No, you don't. And it should also help us not to be too fearful when somebody comes along and says, I've got a new idea. Because no, you don't. It's nothing new. It's all been done before. It's just round and round, round and round, round and round, building more snowmen, building more sandcastles, building more things out of smoke. And this new idea will go the same way as the old idea. And it's full of just as many holes because all the things you're chasing and all the things you're doing and all the things you're building, it's all just smoke. It's all just hevel. It's all temporary. It's all illusory. And if you don't embrace the wisdom of the preacher, then that thing, that thing that you think this is so new, this is so exciting, this is so awesome, it will disappoint you every single time. Because again, we look and we say, I see it, I see it, I see this future, I see the way things should be. And then we reach out to grab a hold of it and it's all just smoke. It's all just hevel. That's why he would say in, in chapter 7, in several different ways, he says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it. Why would you say that? He would even say, it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a birth, than to go to a house of celebration. The end is better than the beginning. Why? Well, it's better in the sense that now you know the reality of things. Because at the beginning of something, you think, this is going to last forever. Have you ever driven, I've driven a lot of miles through a lot of barren country, you probably have too, and if you ever drive through places in Texas or in Oklahoma or Kansas, and you just drive and drive, and you'll see every now and then an old farmhouse that's dilapidated and just falling down, and it's barely a structure anymore. Every time I pass one of those houses, I think, somebody used to live there. And not only did somebody used to live there, but that house used to be brand new, Brand new. And can you imagine all of the dreams and all of the hopes that went into that brand new house and now it's falling down on its foundations. Now there's barely anything left. And the preacher says, listen, it's better. The end is better than the beginning because in the beginning you're filled with the illusion that this thing is going to last forever. And at the end, at least you know the truth now. At least you know now that everything is hevel and all of the work and all of the toil under the sun, it's all, it's all smoke. Now, it's not wrong to build the house. It's not wrong to celebrate in building the house, but it is wrong. It is foolish to think that house is going to last forever. This isn't some new kind of house that's going to last forever. Houses get built and houses crumble and houses fade away, and someday you won't even be able to tell there was ever a house on that piece of land. And so he says it's better at the end than it was at the beginning, because at least you know the truth. Now, look at verse 11. He says, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. 
He says, it's not just the, the future things that are hevel, it's also the past things that are hevel. Because sometimes we say, yeah, yeah, these, these youngins with their new ideas, that's not new, that thing's going to fail. And we say, but the past, that's where the answers are. That, that's stuff that we used to do, the way things used to be, that's where the answers are. No, the preacher says, no, that's hevel too. Look at what he says in chapter 7 and verse 10. He says, say not, why were the former days better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you ask this. All of it. All of it's hevel. All of it's smoke. All of it's vanity. It's all a chasing after the wind. The things that will be, the things that were, the things that are, all of it. Stop saying, this is new. This is new. Here's a new idea. This has never been tried before. Stop thinking that this thing, whatever it is that you're working towards, whatever it is that you're building, is something special, something unique, something different, something new, something novel. He says, one way or the other, one way or the other, you're going to discover the truth, that it's all just hevel. So here's my question. Are you feeling disillusioned yet? Are you feeling disillusioned yet? If not, go read the book of Ecclesiastes. You will feel disillusioned. But that's good. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be disillusioned with illusions. It's not a bad thing to be disillusioned with illusions. And when things are illusory and we get captivated by them and then they disappoint us, we feel disillusioned and we say, oh, I shouldn't have been so invested in that. I shouldn't have put all my stock in that. I shouldn't have thought this was something new, something unique, something novel. I should have realized that this too, like everything else done under the sun, this too will fail. This too has holes in it. And this is the only position that we can be in to really truly embrace the gospel. Because there are things that are not hevel. There are things that are not hevel, and the things that are not hevel are the things that the Lord does. Look at Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14. Ecclesiastes 3, 14 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. Whatever God does endures forever. Amen? Whatever God does endures forever. Whatever I build is a snowman. Whatever I build is a sandcastle. Whatever I build is just smoke. Whatever any other human does under the sun, it's all just hevel. It's all just a chasing after the wind. And it is temporary and it is illusory and there's nothing new under the sun. But whatever God does endures forever. And see, this is where the gospel comes in, isn't it? This is where the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes helps set us up for the gospel so that we know all of this stuff that people do under the sun, it's all just temporary. It's all just illusory. It's all just hevel. It's all just smoke. But whatever God does endures forever. And God sees the big picture you and I, we're just here for a little while, and ours is just a, a cycle of just doing the same old things that everybody else has always done. But God sees the big picture, and God is doing something eternal. And whatever God does, it lasts forever. So here's how we could say it. Jesus is doing something new. Jesus is doing something new. So life is meaningful. I, don't, I know this is corny, but 
under the sun, S-O-N. Life is meaningful under the sun because Jesus is doing something new. Jesus' kingdom isn't like any other kingdom. Every other kingdom, it looks solid. It looks eternal. It looks like you could put your stock in it. You could invest in it. You could get totally captivated by it. But it's just hevel. It's just a kingdom of smoke and mirrors. But Jesus' kingdom is eternal. When Jesus came, was born into this world, you could look at the Son of God and say, that's something new. That's something that has never been and will never be again. That, that one, that Messiah, that King, that Savior, that Redeemer, that's something new. And what he's doing is something new. And when he was raised from the dead, never to die again, that was something new. And what he is building and what he is doing and what he will do, that is something new. That is something unique. That is something novel. Why? Because it's God who is doing it. And what God does endures forever. What God does endures forever. And so Jesus brings the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God endures forever. The kingdoms of man are hevel, but the kingdom of God endures forever. What Jesus is doing endures forever. And so investing in him and pursuing him and building your house on his words, this is a meaningful life. This is a life that will last. This is the only life that will last. This is the only way to invest in something and to pursue something and to seek something that will end in life and not death. The only way to live is to fear God and keep his commandments, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. And the way Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who builds his house on a rock. And when the winds come and the rains come and the floods rise, his house will stand. But whoever hears these words of mine and he doesn't do them will be like a man who builds his house on the sand. Every other house that's being built is being built on the sand. Every other pursuit, every other idea, every other seeking, every other building, every other doing, it's all going to fade away. It's all going to end in death. It's just a cycle over and over and over and over again. The only thing that endures forever is what God is doing, what Jesus is doing. He's doing something new, and life under the sun of God is truly meaningful. It's the only meaningful life. The only way to do something that really matters. The only way to live in such a way that the end is life and not death is to follow Jesus. He gives us a new life, a new pursuit, a new hope, something to build our lives on. See, that's why you can't really truly embrace the gospel until you get disillusioned with all the things that are going on under the sun. 
All of the things that generations ago said, hey, this is new, invest in this, give us your life. Or people that are coming along today saying, this is new, invest in this, give us your life. All of it is hevel. All of it is vanity. All of it is meaningless. But Jesus truly is building something new, doing something new. And life truly is meaningful under the Son of God. So give him your life. And this is the way we share the gospel with our friends and our family, isn't it? Because if they're not disillusioned yet, they will be. They'll realize the meaninglessness of it all. They've built their houses on sand. They've built plenty of snowmen and realized that they're melting. And so we come along that know Jesus and say Jesus really is doing something new. And Jesus really does give us a life that is meaningful under the sun. That's the good news that we have to share with our friends, with our family, with the world, so that we can all build our houses on solid ground. If we can help you with that this morning, if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus by being baptized into Christ, or you need prayers or encouragement, we're in this together and we want to help you any way we can. One of our shepherds would love to visit with you at the information desk as together we stand, sing this song.